Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, if you haven't heard this podcast before, this is the show we do. We interview all sorts of different athletes, um, adventurers, explorers, um, and people really just kind of like chasing some sort of big goal in their life. It's people in my, it's the people who are feeling alive enough to go out and go after what they really like, what they want their life to be. Um, and this week I'm super excited, uh, the weather's changing. It's becoming fall. It's getting me pumped up for football season. Um, when I look back at at my where I am today, which is someone who's super passionate about um, fitness, someone who's passionate about mountain athletics, uh, running in particular, but you know all sorts of different things. Um, I kind of like trace back my trajectory as an athlete. And when I trace it back, it all comes from, it all comes down to football. Uh, I, for like four years when I was in high school, there was absolutely nothing that was more important to me than high school football. Uh, Muscatine high school football for the, (laughs) for those Iowans out there. Uh, It was the thing that meant the absolute most. It's what I spent my time, my time on. It's what I worked the hardest for. Uh, It's the thing that really drove me and something that I was extremely passionate about. And it kind of stemmed even even before high school. You know, my dad was a coach. He coached freshman football. And I remember I would come to practice at least three or four times a week and hang out on the sideline and tackle the little tackling dummies. I probably looked probably looked hilarious as like a third grader trying to tackle these giant like. 40 pound tackling dummy things, uh, you know, and then working as a ball boy for my dad, like it just, it was the thing as I was growing up, it was the thing that really, really kind of defined that moment where you move from being a kid into being an adult. And in between that was football. Uh, it meant so much to me and still does. There are experiences that I took away um, from those four years that I've used the rest of my life. It taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to show up, even though, you know, you don't always want to show up every single day. You you might not want to put the work in. You might be sore. You might be tired. You might be exhausted. Um, but, but you have to do the work. Uh, it taught me how to be a good teammate. It taught me, (laughs) it taught me how to, control my emotions when I got frustrated, which, uh, which did happen every so often. Um, it just, it just was such an amazing teacher for a kid, uh, for a kid like me. Um, I'm sure a lot of us can relate. Um, a lot of people, if you trace back, back your athletics and it's not everybody, but a lot of people you can, you can go back to when you're a kid, maybe you're on a soccer team, maybe you played volleyball, maybe you played basketball. Um, and a lot of us had these like kind of defining experiences when we we're on our first team, our first athletic team. Uh, for me, when I was in high school, I was the center. I was like a tiny center. I was like a 200 pound center. If you don't know much about football, that's cool. Um, because what we're really focused on is like the story of the athlete here. Um, but just to give you some background centers, one of the lineman positions is usually filled by a pretty, pretty big dude. Um, but I, I did it. I loved it. I worked hard. And, uh, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because the player I went against in high school, who was the guy like there every once in a while, I mean, I'm sure that everyone can think about this. There's always that one person on a different team that you're like, that's the person who's super good. And that's the person who's about to kick my ass. (laughs) Um, And for me, that guy was today's guest, Pat Anger. Um, I played against a lot of guys, like for Iowa fans out there, because we're going to get into Iowa football a little bit today. Um, We'll get into some Indianapolis Colts also. But uh, 
I went against a lot of Division One players head up, head up. So middle linebackers, nose guards. Uh, for Iowa fans, just some shout outs: Mitch King, um, Julian Vandervelde, uh, Rob Bruggerman, Brugger, Bruggerman. Um, hope I'm saying that right. But out of everybody, the person I went that went head up on me that I tried to block in attempt to block. Um, the best football player I ever played against was Pat. He just he was just so good at football. His instincts were just so incredibly fast. He was so athletic, so strong, um, such a hard worker that every time we played his team, which was Bettendorf, I would, I would like, it was stressful <laughs> leading up to that, that game. It would be stressful because in my mind, I'm like, man, I got to go against this guy who's the best player. And here's the thing about Pat. He was an amazing player. He was very intimidating. He was also one of the nicest guys out there. Um, he would, he would, he's just awesome. He's just such a great guy. So, anyways, long story short, I'm incredibly excited to to be able to sit down and chat with him for the podcast. Uh, you know, followed his career. He went to University of Iowa. He ended up becoming the starting middle linebacker, uh, and just did an amazing job during that position. Um, from there, went to the NFL, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts, uh, which a lot of Iowa, if you're an Iowa fan out there, like, I think we all for a short period of time became Indianapolis Colts fans because they got Dallas Clark, Bob Sanders, and then Pat, those three guys all went there and it is just super fun to watch. Um, at one point he became the leading tackler for the Colts, just had an amazing NFL career and. And yeah, and I was, I'm just really excited. I got to sit down with him, talk to him about his career, hear his story. I think even if, like I said, even if you're not a football fan necessarily, or you you don't really get into football, you can learn so much from just hearing someone's journey. How do they get from point A to point B? And especially when point B or whatever, the the ending point is, the pinnacle, the NFL, the thing every football player dreams of being in. Um, there's obviously a lot of lessons involved, a lot of uh, growth, a lot of kind of like self-analysis involved in that journey. And that's what I'm really proud to say that Pat shared on the podcast. That's what I'm really proud to share with you guys today is that uh, that kind of mental growth that went along with with going from high school to college to eventually becoming a professional football player. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, if this is your first podcast, please check out our archive. I guarantee you guys are going to find some really cool stuff in there. Um, all sorts of things, ultra runners, um, uh, mountain climbers, people who've gone up Everest. Uh, I'm just kind of looking through my list here. People hiking the PCT or the Appalachian trail. Um, you know, all sorts of different crazy stuff in here. <laughs> We've been able to, I've been able to talk to a lot of really interesting, uh, inspirational people, which, you know, to my life it's brought so much and I hope it's, it brings that much to you guys. So definitely go back, check it out. Um, check us out on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a, a review if you want, that would all be awesome. But most importantly, uh, let's get into this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 109 with Pat Angerer. Okay, let's, uh, let's just get started then, if that's cool. Perfect. All right, sweet. So this week on the podcast, I, uh, want to welcome Pat Anger and uh, Pat is easily the best football player I played against in, in high school. Uh, um, so man, I got to tell you, I remember senior year lining up for kick return and you know how you're supposed to like count, you count over to see which person you're supposed to block. And I'm doing the counting. I'm counting from the sideline. I'm like one, two, three, four. And I just look up. And I see the number 43 and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was always nice when you, you know, cause I would always look at the, you know, the blockers and you could, you could see them counting and they get to you and you're like, okay, that guy's going to block it. It makes things a lot easier. But uh, yeah, 
Yeah. I, I got pretty tired on kick on kickoff. That uh, I probably uh, took that off, but uh, I shouldn't have. I <laughs> well, man, didn't run as hard as I could. I got to give your kicker props because I'm pretty sure you just kicked it out of the end zone every time. So I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, that makes things a lot easier, doesn't that? Everybody yeah. wins then. Everybody does, man. But yeah, so welcome <laughs> to the show, dude. I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, I I wanted to talk to you really because, um, you know, if I think about the area we grew up in kind of like Eastern Iowa, right on the Mississippi river. Uh, there's not a lot of people who were able to accomplish what you accomplished, which is make it to the NFL. Um, so, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to hear your story because I think that's, I I'm all about like anyone who has a big goal or was able to obtain a big goal. Like I really like hearing about how that happened and like, lessons mm-hmm. they learned along the way so yeah so yeah man yeah you know what no you're, you're good you go. oh, sorry man uh, i was just gonna ask like what was like growing up were you always into football like when did it start occurring to you like oh man i'm pretty good at this thing uh you know i i, I grew up yeah i mean I, I guess like you know any any young kid i played all the sports um Soccer was kind of my main sport that I really liked. And uh, I, I always thought that I was going to, you know, be a soccer player and that was going to be my thing. And, uh, you know, we used to travel around and, and we won state a bunch of times and all that stuff uh, for traveling soccer. And uh, football was never really, you know, my brothers all played football. Um, I'm the youngest of four. I got three older brothers and an older sister. And um, I, I played football because, I mean, that's what you did, you know. Um, I, I first I played tackle, um, started, I think seventh grade or sixth grade. That was when I started playing tackle, but still soccer was kind of my, my main sport. Um, and, and when I got to high school, I didn't even know if I wanted to really play football. Um, I didn't really have a good coach, uh, my eighth grade year and it just kind of, kind of ruined it for me a little bit. And I was kind of, man, I don't know if I want to go out and it, what I really want to do is I really want to go to the military. My, my brother, uh, served in the Marines, uh, was over in Somalia during the whole black Hawk down thing. He was there prior to that. And, uh, that was kind of what I wanted to do. My dad was in the army, um, right before Vietnam. And so we didn't have a lot of money, you know, growing up and I, college was never, I never really thought of that being an option. Yeah. So I guess I, you know, I didn't really take school seriously. And, uh, so I, you know, I was skipping class and not really trying. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna go to the military anyway and, and kill a bunch of terrorists. And that's going to be it, you know, and nine 11 happened when I was a freshman. Yep. So that kind of solidified it for me. Okay. You know, when I graduate, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to join the military I'm going to go to war and, you know, that'll be that. And, um, sophomore year, uh, I got brought up to varsity toward the end of the year and, um, for football and then junior year. I started and, and, uh, I think it was like fourth or fifth game. We played assumption and, uh, their coach showed me the stats. He's like, Hey, you had, you had 20 tackles. Like you should probably <laughs> take this pretty seriously. So we went and, um, checked my, uh, like my GPA and my class rank and all that stuff with the counselor. And I was, I think I was ranked like 350 out of like 355. My GPA was, my GPA was like, <laughs> point nine um like i failed ceramics like how do you fail ceramics i don't in know high man school, you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. how did you, you fail ceramics that's a great question I, 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 right i mean you, you have to work to do that and, you know I, I i had a coach uh, matt drinkle he was like hey get it together you, you know this is the plan you're going to retake this class you're going to take these classes get yourself set up and uh because college coaches aren't going to waste their time recruiting you if you're not going to qualify. That's the first thing they do when they walk, walk onto your campus to, to recruit you. They say, Hey, you know, they go to the counselors and say, Hey, how's this guy in class? What's his GPA? Uh, what's he ranked? Is he going to be able to qualify and get into college? Um, so I, I really worked hard, um, to, to redo all that stuff. And, um, cause I, I didn't have the money to go to, I didn't have the money to walk on or anything like that. And if I'm going to go to college, it'd have to be on a, on a full ride scholarship and, I, I retook, you know, I, I was taking like freshman classes as a senior because I had, I had messed up, uh, when I was younger. So I had to go back and redo all that stuff. And you're trying to be like a cool football player. Um, and you're freaking taking freshman classes. I mean, that's not, 
that's not something that you're very proud of. And that was kind of hard to do, you know, kind of humble yourself. And, um, I did that and I was able to get scholarship offers and, uh, got my GPA, GPA up to like right, right below three and, uh, worked real hard to get everything going and be able to qualify. And, and I committed to Iowa and I, I was happy that worked out. You know, it's crazy because at, you know, at 14, I had no plans on going to college and, yeah. you know, at 18, I'm, you know, four years later, I'm, I'm walking on, you know, Iowa's campus, you know, on a full ride football scholarship. It's kind of, you, know, you think you got it all figured out, you know, and, um, until life kind of hits you and, you know, it's just, it's a testament that you got to take care of things right away from the beginning. Yeah, man. So, um, so that, I just think that's an extremely important lesson and it's encouraging to hear cause I'm a middle school teacher and, you know, it's, it's, that's an encouraging story. Like, that someone could it once they get a goal like once you had the goal of all right i'm good at football now i just need to if i want to continue playing like i need to be able to get into college and then like you said humbling yourself and working hard and being consistent like with going to classes like that's that's extremely impressive um what were some of the like did that happen overnight or was it kind of just like a normal progress during your last couple of years um, well, I mean, it was just kind of a progress, like, Hey, you know, get it together. And I, you know, I had to be focused and I had to, I had to do, actually do my homework, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, I, I had to study hard and I, um, really had to make that a priority. And, uh, you know, it, it's like anything. I mean, if, if, if you want to be good at something, make that the most important thing in your life. And at that point that was to me. Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, when I got to college, I didn't necessarily learn from my, my mistakes in high school. Um, and I always worked hard on the field. I always, I always worked hard training. That stuff was easy to me, but, but off the field, I also worked hard at, um, staying out late, partying, not eating right, um, drinking too much, fighting, doing stupid stuff. Um, so going into my, junior and, and, and when i got to iowa i was behind chad greenway and abdul hodge really good players those guys were going to play no matter what and then there were two guys behind them mike humple and mike Klinkenberg, and those guys were basically set up to start the next two years so in my mind i'm like okay my junior and senior year i'm going to start and that's going to be fine so i didn't i i didn't prepare like a starter when i wasn't um because you know in football and, and in life in general i mean you're always one play away from from starting you know, in the business world, you're always one, you know, something's got, something might happen where you get promoted and you have to be ready for it. And for me, I didn't prepare like that. I prepared like, well, in two years, I'm going to be a starter. You know, let's have some fun now. So uh, we played Wisconsin my sophomore year um, and everybody got hurt. All the linebackers, everybody got hurt. And so it was down to me and a true freshman to, to put in. And instead of instead of putting me in, um, they burned the true freshman's red shirt and, and they put him in, and that was a that was a big humbling experience for me. Uh, I, you know, the, the bus ride home, my, I was like, well, you know, it sucks. I'm getting screwed over. Blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, this isn't fair. Um, well, it took me a couple of days to really look myself in the mirror and kind of reevaluate where I was at. You know, I'm not playing not because of someone else, not because of the coaches, not because of anything. I'm not playing because of me and because of my actions and because of, of my decisions. I'm where I'm at because of me. And, you know, I, I, I took ownership in that and uh, pretty much made football, Iowa football, the most important thing in my life. And that was a gradual process because, you know, I still didn't start starting my junior year. It took me three games to really start, but I was hundred percent committed. I was always, you know, always, uh, studying. I was always working. Coaches knew it. Um, finally, I was able to gain the starting spot. Um, third game my junior year and uh, was able to play pretty well. Got second team all Big Ten. And then, you know, next year was uh, team captain and All-American and all that good stuff. So I think the big thing for me was, was making football literally the most important thing in my life. Whatever I did was in order was to be a good football player was to be the best Iowa football football player I could be. And, and that really paid off. Yeah, man. So when you're around, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of your friends in college also played football, but you're around a group of guys and they know you 
in one like in a certain light and they're like okay pat's the guy you know he doesn't take school as serious as he could goes out and parties things like that and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you know you're becoming this ultra focused guy like how do how do you handle that with like a group of people who know you in one way and then you kind of like are making these decisions to act in a completely different way. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, I guess it was kind of good because, you know, I, I, I could relate to everyone. Um, I could relate to the guys on the team who, you know, who needed to make changes or who were doing dumb stuff. And I, and I could also relate to the guys that were, um, you know, 100% committed and, and kind of all in. So I was able to, it worked out for me because, you know, people would listen to me like, Hey, he's been here before yeah. he's been there before. And, um, you know, people saw how hard I worked and, and they saw, um, you know, how committed I was. And, and, and that was, that was nice to be able to be in a leadership position like that. And, you know, you'd have to, you know, the, the biggest thing wasn't gaining the players trust cause they knew, you know, I would go out there and I would do a good job. It was, it was, it was gaining the coaches and, and showing them like, Hey, you know, I, I'm all in. And, uh, um, you know, I'm going to come out there and I'm going to get it done. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to, I'm going to work hard. Tell me what to do. Yes, coach. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Were you a big, like, I don't know. I just always remember in football, there are people who, who would talk a lot, you know, talk to the coaches a lot. And then there were other people who would just shut up and do the job. Like, what were you more like? Well, it was just more, more shut up, shut yeah. up and do the job. You weren't, you um, didn't, did you go up to the coaches like, I'm turning around coach, like I'm really going to focus on this or did you just do it and let your actions speak for themselves? Well, I, I met with some coaches and that was, uh, you know, coach Barron's kind of brought me in you know, after that whole, whole thing was like, you know, here's what we need you to do. And, um, I was like, yep, I'll do it. It's my fault. I'll, uh, and I'm gonna learn from it. Coach Doyle was a big, was a big motivator. Um, that guy's as good as it gets. Um, yeah. You know, I always, I always worked hard in, in the weight room. I was always one of the strongest and fastest guys. You know, I think his big thing was like, you know, take care of yourself, you know, be healthy, be accountable off the field. And, uh, you know, it's going to work out for you. And, you know, you just have to, you have to trust the process and trust that, you know, lots of small positive decisions are going to lead to, uh, you know, a good outlook and they're going to lead you to your goal. Yeah. Was there anything that kind of like, threw you off of that once you made like once you made the decision to focus on football was there any moments where you kind of like almost reverted not really um not really i mean i was able to see the progress and and i was 100 percent committed to to being the best Iowa football player i could be and um you know i, I did i've done my fair share of stupid stuff you know and, <laughs> yeah um you know just probably like the rest of us but uh you know, it was just, it was just staying on track and, and I saw the goal and I, and I had a, you know, a lot of good men around me as far as coaches and leaders and a lot of really good teammates where I think that was the best, best part of our team my senior year um, was that we were all in it together and we were all committed and we knew no matter what, no matter how our, you know, how down we were, you know, whether we were down by 10 points or 20 points, or whatever, that we were going to fight for each other and we were going to come out on top. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What, uh, you know, every every person who plays for Iowa always mentions Coach Doyle as just like the most badass man on earth. What what's like any specific lessons like stand out in your mind? Um, you know, just the accountability. Just if if literally, you know, if, if you literally go to Iowa and you do literally everything he says, it's been proven every year for as long as he's been at Iowa that you'll be successful on the field and also off the field and also in your future jobs, literally do whatever he says and you will be, you got it. Um, you know, one of the biggest things, and this was even after I graduated, uh, we were trying to, this is before the Pittsburgh game where Brett led the team out of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, we were going to do, we were going to go to Benton or Pleasant Valley game and Brett was going to walk out. And, um, we couldn't, we couldn't get, cause it was, it was at Bettendorf. So we couldn't get Brett out of the car to practice because he's like, I'm not, I'm not walking out of Bettendorf, you know, uh, <laughs> those, these are rivals, you know, he, he's pretty stubborn about it. So yeah, I'm, so we called Doyle and he's on his way. They were going to play Iowa state. So we called him, he was getting on the bus 
And we're like, hey, coach, we cannot get Brett out of the car to get this workout in. And Doyle's sitting there getting ready to, to play, you know, Iowa State, and he's he's talking Brett through a workout. So I, I'm trying to pull Brett out of the car. He's fighting me. Doyle's on the phone uh, talking, you know, to a former player into a workout, and we, and we finally were able to get him out of the car and get him to a workout. I mean, that's – I don't know how many um, coaches would do that to for a former player. And and we were able to go up. Um, Brett's rehab or Brett's therapist will take Brett up about once a month to Iowa City, and Doyle will take an hour to two hours out of his time to put Brett through a workout. And I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know how many coaches would do that yeah. to, for a former player. That's amazing. Whether it's during man. the season or during the off season, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. If if people out there listening don't really know um brett's brett greenwood's situation can you kind of like you know tell us or like yeah. inform them so i just i remember brett because uh i think it was our senior year um in high school he was the starting quarterback for pleasant valley and he was like a sophomore um yeah and he's been described to me uh from my head coach in high school you know obviously he coached a couple teams that played him uh you know uh, during his junior and senior year. And he said that Brett was easily the most talented player he'd ever seen in high school football. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he was a quarterback and, and safety in high school played both ways. Pretty much was, you had to have him on the field. He's the best player without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and, um, was able to walk on at Iowa and as a, was he like five eleven, maybe six foot, one hundred and ninety pounds? He w- was a walk on at Iowa, became a four year starter, which is pretty unheard of. Yeah, and um, you know he was basically my junior and senior year when I when I was able to start. He was basically a leader of the defense. He was the guy that we would line up, and he would tell us all what to do. Essentially, I mean, we would line up and we look, we'd see the formation, and we'd look back at Brad, and he'd be like, "All right, we're doing this, 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 this," and we're like, "All right, sweet." <laughs> yeah. You're like, thanks, man. You know, yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, we were a team, I mean, my senior year, everyone on our team was in the NFL at one point. Wow. And Brett was a guy that, Brett was a guy that led that. Wow. Um, And he was with, um, he got uh, undrafted free agent with the Steelers and uh, made it to the final, the final cuts, ended up getting cut and then came back to, um, came back home, was going to work out before he, you know, had different tryouts and stuff with different teams and, was working out before a Pleasant Valley uh, varsity game and collapsed on the track. And uh, his heart stopped, and it was stopped for about 10 minutes. Luckily, um, there was a game there, so there were ambulances and paramedics and stuff there to um, do CPR and able to get his heart back uh, beaten. But after that, he was in a coma uh, for about 23 days, I think. Jeez. And, uh, you know, with the loss of oxygen and stuff to your brain, uh, you know, there's a lot of complications to that. So um, just trying to get him to walk again, trying to get, you know, all his motor skills and, and cognitive skills and everything has been, uh, you know, has been definitely a battle. And uh, you look at his family, they're about as good as you can get. They're tough. Um, they're supportive. Um, and, and, and this happened in 2011. Doctors basically said, well, he was in a coma. Doctors basically said, you know, they, they gave him the idea of, hey, you know, he's probably going to be a, be a vegetable. Uh, he'll probably never see again. He'll probably never walk. Um, you guys do have the option of, of pulling the plug. And his family's uh, credit, they said, no, we believe in Brett. And uh, they didn't do it. And they told him about a year after, once he came out of everything, they said about a year after, he probably wouldn't progress anymore. And, you know, Brett's walking. He's got 20-20 vision. You know, he does need some assistance of a, of a walker, but he's fighting and improving every single day. Yeah. And when I got done playing at Indy, I came back home, and his rehab, his therapist was like, hey, do you mind um, coming to rehab and helping out? And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And we've kind of been twice a week we'll get a workout in, and, and sometimes I'm not able to go, but uh, – he uh, he gets better and uh, he improves and it's been such a good it's been good for me to be able to be a part of that team again because when you retire 
like I've been a part of the team my whole life. Yeah. Um, and then you get done playing, all of a sudden you're just you're not a part of the team. You're you know you just feel pretty lost. And being able to be a part of that and be a part of his journey and his fight has been really huge uh, for me. Uh, dealing with uh, being done playing. Yeah. Definitely, man. And well, he, uh, it has to be like incredibly important just to have a friend there to motivate you and, you know, drive you. Cause I mean, every day has to be a battle, but having someone there supporting you who, you know, is a friend who, you know, is like a brother from football. Um, that's huge. It's been great too, because you remember Joe Conklin? Yeah. 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 He's uh, he's able, and he's the AD at Allen now, and he, he's able to come over and, and help Brett too with workouts as well. So it's been nice to kind of have a, you know, have a team um, watching Brett. And, and, you know, everyone's like, ah, you know, it's so good for you to do that to put, you know, with Brett, blah, blah, blah. But Brett does more for me yeah. watching him fight and watching him, you know, achieve things that people said he couldn't. He's done way more for me. Um, than I could ever do for him. And, you know, that's what buddies do, though. I mean, we're, we're there for each other, and that's what teammates do. And, um, you know, he's going to get through this. He's going to end out on top. You know, he's going to end up on top. And, I mean, he's already achieved more than they said that he could. So it's uh, it's been awesome. And uh, he's going to keep fighting and keep moving forward. Yeah, man. That, I mean, when you guys walked out during the Pittsburgh game a few years ago, that was like – the greatest sports moment I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I always thought like my best moment in Kinnick would be while I was playing, but, uh, that was just awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, truly unbelievable. And, and, you know, he's made so much progress even from that, you know, and the next goal, you know, is for him to walk out unassisted and he can do it and he'll, he will do it, you know, within the next couple of years. I, I, I know he will. That's amazing, man. That's so cool. What did you guys like, you know, if you're there talking to the team before the game, what what did you guys tell them? Um, like, what was, you know, what was kind of like the motivational speech you were given beforehand? Um, we went up there, I think it was the day before, because um, Brett was obviously the, you know, the captain, the honorary captain. And, uh, you know, Brett's dad talked and, and basically just told him, you know, he's been counted out and all this stuff. And, basically gave him a background of the story. All the kids knew. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it just, it, you know, and, and we were able to talk to him, just kind of, you know, tell him, you know, more about Brett and just how awesome he is and how honored we are that, uh, they chose him to do that. And, you know, the, the team was all in. And when, when we walked out and it was actually, it was Doyle's idea for him to lead out the swarm. He was just going to walk, you know, from the sideline to the mid- midfield. The Doyle was like, no, he's going to lead us out, which was awesome. Amazing idea. And, uh, I didn't anticipate the players behind us cheering Brett on. You know, that was, uh, that was pretty sweet. It was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, so going back real quick to your career at Iowa, what was, what were like one or two moments that really stood out to you? Um, I guess, you know, the last game I played when we beat, uh, Georgia tech and orange bowl, uh, coaches first BCS, victory just seeing the Joanna's face in the locker room and um you know norm coming up and giving me a hug you know yeah, it was, uh, yeah. yeah it was awesome man that's so cool yeah uh, man just, just that was a great guys game. those coaches man they're the, they're the best and being able to to give them that was that meant a lot that's so cool man so once you start like you know, at, there's a weird moment after college before the NFL where now you're not necessarily i mean you're still part of the iowa program obviously but i don't know it just probably changes a little bit can you kind of like describe that and like how did you prepare for the combine and and getting ready for the nfl draft i i doyle does a good job of he he keeps he he allows you to stay there and train and doesn't charge you for anything and there's there's a a good group of guys good number of guys that uh, stay back and train and so I did all my combine training in Iowa city with coach Doyle. Um, and then after the season, you know, my first seasons, I would, I would come back and, and train as well. That's cool. Um, and it's cool. Cause there's guys, you know, there's guys who've been in the league for a long time that, that come back. So when you're preparing for the combine, preparing for the draft, you have people, um, you know, to kind of bounce some questions off of and, and the support system there. So you kind of know what to expect. 
Yeah. What does it, does the training change at all? Or is it still essentially what the team's doing? It's, it changes. Um, it's, you know, combine training is way different than, you know, training for, um, you know, a game or a season or anything like that, you know, combine training, you're training for 40, you're training. Oh, yeah. Most of the stuff is like explosive, um, you know, the vertical and all that, all that crap they make you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's different. And, you know, I, I actually, you know, I really enjoyed it. You know, the training part aspect of football is always my favorite. Um, cause you could measure it, you know, either you can lift the weight or you can't, you know, either you've, you know, you've improved from yesterday or you haven't. Um, either you're faster or you're not. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was always fun for me. I liked it cause you know, I would train for the three or four hours a day and then I'd, you know, you go home and eat and watch TV and hang out. Those are freaking good times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like once you're done training, really the, the next step is, uh, rest and recovery. Right. So you're like, Hey, yeah, I got absolutely. nothing else to do except rest and recover. <laughs> Yeah, and with three kids now, I uh, you know rest and recovery really isn't there. Yeah, but, uh, I understand. So man. I I, uh, I definitely enjoyed the uh, you know sleeping ten hours a day and eating whenever I wanted and training whenever I wanted. Those were uh, those were good times. Yeah, I know, man. They always say like sleep is the number one step for recovery, but then once you get busy, once you have kids, you're like, man, if I want to get training in. I got, I got to eliminate some sleep. Like there's no other way around it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I tell my wife, like if I, if I don't train, if I don't wake up at five 30 and train, it's not, it's not, I'm not going to get it done. Yeah. Like this morning, my, this morning, my boy woke up at three, my oldest. So I had to go in there with him and my alarm off at five 30. I'm like, ah, I'm going back to bed. Yeah, <laughs> now I'm going to have to try it. I'm going to have to try to get my workout in after work, which, you know, that's, that's always hard. That's a lot harder. I'm, I'm so impressed. Yeah, I hear people that are like, I put the kids to bed and then I go train. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? How do you do that? I, you know, and sometimes I'll do that, but then I end up just, you know, because I'll be in bed at like nine. Then I'll end up training, and you know, I'll finally like settle down. Yeah. At like eleven, you know, you get done sweating and you're finally like settled down, and it's eleven o'clock. You're like, damn, I gotta be up in five hours. Oh, it's it's almost impossible to go to sleep. I remember in in college, I played rugby at Iowa. Um, and we would practice in the bubble, but we, our practice would start at like midnight. And so we'd get home at like one or one thirty, And then I was so jacked up. I'm like, I can't go to sleep. And I couldn't go to sleep till yep. three. And then I would just totally skip class in the morning, obviously. Yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Yeah, that- I'm not going to physiology at seven thirty in the morning after that. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, I always liked, you know, the big thing about, like, nighttime practices and all that. Um, I always, uh, you know, it's always cool because you have, you know, practice in the lights, and that's always fun. But then I, you can't rehydrate in time before bed. You know, you end up you waking up, and you're feeling all, all drained and all cramped yeah. up. And, yeah, I always like, you need some recovery time and the time to get your you know, get the adrenaline gone. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. What, so, okay. So what is the combine? What's the experience like from a player from like a participant? Like how nervous are you? Or are you just looking at like, Hey, it's another day of training just with a shitload of people around to watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's all, it's all stuff that you've done for your whole career basically. Um, and I wasn't, I guess I wasn't super nervous. The one thing I didn't really expect was um, like the lack of sleep. I mean, like you get there and you're, you know, they, you basically go in like a room and there's like a bunch of doctors and trainers and stuff around. And they basically read off like every injury you've had in your past. And then a doctor will come up and like mess with your shoulder or your leg or something and be like, well, Hey, I want to get this scan. So I, later that night after like all the meetings and all the mental tests and all that stuff you do, um, you got to go get MRIs or CT scans or x-rays and stuff like that. And that's pretty draining. And then you got to wake up the next morning and do your drug testing. Um, so for me, it was hard because the lack of sleep and the lack of, uh, of food, cause you, you know, you're not getting a lot, you're not getting a lot to eat cause you're, you're super busy. Yeah. And then like the, I think it's the third day or the second, third day is when you start actually competing. So by that time you're tired and you're hungry. But I liked it because I was I was number one. Um, they went alphabetical order, 
and I knew what I was doing. So I'm like, I'm going to go out there and I get to set the bar and I get to do it correct. And everybody who goes after me, if they do it wrong, they're going to get dock points because everybody saw me do it right. Um, so that's what I liked. I'm like, Hey, I get to go out there. I get to set the bar. I get to, I get to go first. And, yeah. um, you know, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And you don't have to get that weird mental trip of like seeing other people perform well or mess up. And then, you know, that messes with your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it awesome. Is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing to be a part of. It's nice to go out there and compete and you get to, you know, you meet a lot of guys that you're going to end up eventually being teammates with or uh, play against. And it was, it's just, it was fun to be a part of. And obviously, you know, you're worried about your 40 time and, um, you know, you're, I think the only time I ever measured over six foot was at the combine. So that, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> did they do the thing for you in high school? They did this for me. Cause I was, like I said, I was center, but our quarterback mm-hmm. weighed more than me. So they would always add like <laughs> 10 pounds and like three inches to all the stats in the book. I'm like, people are going to realize it, you know, like if you looked at our O line, my junior year, I look like a hobbit. Like everyone else was like six five, and then I'm like five ten. I'm like, oh man, they're gonna know where to go to break through this line. <laughs> I think I think every I think in, I think every year I lost an inch. I think in in high school I was like six two. Yeah. In college I was six one. In the NFL I was six foot. So <laughs> the I, NFL I not shorter. Yeah, they're just like, hey man, yeah. we we have the best scientists in here measuring your height. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man yeah. so okay so you get drafted uh by the colts um mm-hmm. second round right mm-hmm. dude that's huge man from someone going from not sure they even really want to play football to being drafted in the second round like i mean props to you dude that's that's really impressive i appreciate that i mean yeah i mean well i was 13 13 or 14 i didn't want to play football and 22 23 um you're getting drafted in the second round it's yeah it's it's pretty crazy to look at things like you know you think you got it all figured out and life kind of happens you know that's why you just got to take care of things and do things right yeah work your ass off that's cool that was kind of you know my my agent was he did a good job of you know throughout the process he's like you know I'm not, I'm not a guy who I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, if you go with me, you're going to get drafted higher. I got no say in, in how you get drafted. Um, so up to the process, he was like, you know, you could go second round, you could go fifth round, you could go undrafted, who knows? Um, and, and so we, me and my wife weren't really expecting, um, anything. We're sitting there in my, uh, in my parents' garage, actually playing cards and, and, and drinking beer and just kind of enjoying the, you know, enjoying it and not trying to stress out too much about it. And I got a call and, it was like, hey, you know, this is this is Bill Pauline from the uh, from the Annapolis Colts, and we're going to draft you. And I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> and I had a, a bunch for some reason. A bunch of people got my phone number, um, and they were like prank calling me that day. So that kind of sucks. So I wasn't uh, for sure if it was actually a real call. You're <laughs> like, all right, Colts, let me finish this beer really quick. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No, but that was that was really that was awesome. That was a really good time. Yeah, and uh, you know my wife's my wife's mom was born in Indian or Crawfordsville, Indiana, which is a half hour north uh, west of Indianapolis. So we you know we we'd been there uh, lots of times. There's fam- you know we got family there. So it, it couldn't have been a better place uh, for me to go. Um, what? So can you kind of like, I mean, since you know such a small amount of people have actually experience what the nfl is like what's the step up between college to the nfl because the step from high school to college is so huge and i can't even i can't fathom like what that that next step up would be like well you know you know in college every most of everybody's pretty good yeah um but there's always a couple people on on each team that you know you know they're not that good and you can kind of take advantage of them um, in the NFL, everybody's good. Yeah. Um, and everybody's fast and everybody's strong. So that was, that was a, you know, that was a big jump. Everybody's, you know, the best of the best. Um, what is there like, you know, 2000 people roughly in the NFL? Um, the, you know, it's the best 2000 people, you know, in the world that you're competing against. And, um, 
yeah, so so the the, the game moves a lot quicker. Um, everybody, it's definitely more of a business, um, and you learn that pretty fast when you know people start getting cut, and you're you know you're talking to somebody one you know one second, and the next second, you know they're on a plane heading home. You'll never see them ever again. Wow. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely business. You learn you learn that pretty quick, and um, you know you gotta you got to make sure you get yours and, and, and you work your ass off and you compete everything. I mean, everything we do in the NFL is videotaped and it's like that in college, but even more so literally absolutely everything you do is on camera and you're being watched and you're being critiqued and you're being graded. And, uh, so the, the, you know, even like a warm up drill or something, you got to go all in, you got to be, you know, on your game. And, and I think about it as my job. Like if I'm, you know, if, if, your video being videotaped 24 seven at your job, just saying how much better you would perform and how much more efficient you would be. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, knowing that your job is constantly on the line. How often do they remind you that? Like, especially during the kind of, you know, preseason, how often, like how often are coaches saying like your job's on the line? Well, I mean, I mean you just know, I mean, you, you know, know. It is. Yeah. everything you do. Yeah. Everything you do. Um, you know, it's, and I, and I never, even if it's like a, like a walkthrough or something, you have to, you have to be on your game. You can't, you don't want to look bad on film. No way in hell do you want to look bad on film. Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of, so I, when I got to Indy, there was a guy named Gary Brackett who was the starter, middle linebacker, and he'd been a starter for a long time. And, uh, he basically kind of took me under his wing, which is really awesome. And, uh, you know, he goes, Hey, you know, I know why you're here. You're here to take my job. You, you know, you're eventually you're going to take my job. And that's, you know, that's what, you know, that's what happens. And, and I completely understand that. I don't want you to feel bad about that. My, my job is to make um, you as good as you can be for when, so when I leave, there's no drop off. Um, that's pretty cool. You that's know, I don't cool. know a lot of people that, that would do that um, because I mean, really, uh, I mean, he, he got paid and he had a great career and, uh, but really, I mean, essentially, you know, I'm there to take money from him. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm there to, to play over him and, and take money from him. And he could easily be like, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm not going to teach him anything. But instead, he was like, I want, I want the Colts to be good. I care about this organization. I care about the future of this team. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure um, there's no drop off when I leave. Wow. I think that does that have something to say about the, you know, kind of like established mentality of the Colts program at that point? Yeah, I think so. You know, when I got there, there was a lot of, a lot of vets there, you know, Peyton Manning, Jeff Saturday, Ryan Diem, yeah. um, you know, Bob Sanders, Freeney, Mathis, um, you know, Antoine Bethea. Um, they were, uh, they were successful men before they were successful football players. And um, they understood, you know, the greater goal of everything and they were all in. And that, and that's the reason why they were so successful for so long because they had those guys who were good leaders and good men. Um, it, it definitely shows a lot about the organization. Yeah. In the NFL, does it, does the leadership kind of shift from in college? It's a lot of the coaches um, being great leaders. And then does it shift to more of on the players backs, like their responsibility? Well, in college, it's still, you know, it's definitely still, um, you know, it, 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 it's, 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 teammates as well who are, yeah. who are leaders. Um, but it, 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 is, it is more so um, if you have a good locker room, you're definitely going to have a, have a good team. And um, you have older guys like that that are going to bring everybody together for sure. It, it, you know, it, sometimes in the NFL, it, which is hard is you definitely have the egos and you definitely have, you know, players who are making more money, um, you know, than the coaches. And it's like, you know, you know, who's a coach to tell you what to do when you've been doing this for, you know, 15 years and you're making $3 million a year. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, there's some egos that get involved with that as well, but I didn't really see it that much, uh, at Indy. I think, I think they did a good job of bringing in good people. That's really cool, man. So when you get on the field for the first time, uh, in a game, like, what does that feel like? What, what are you thinking in that moment? Or, or are you just like, so focused on like, this is what I do that it's, I don't know. What is yeah? What is that like? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little bit of both. I mean, I, I was I was really excited. My you know we we played uh, my first preseason preseason game. We played the 49ers, 
And, uh, you know, I finally got a chance to get in, and the first play the coach called was a blitz, and that guy knew. That's I was sweet. Like, I'm going to get a sack here. So my first play ever was, uh, was a sack. No way. So, That's yeah, awesome, so that man. Was, that was, yeah, that was pretty fun. And um, preseason, was, preseason was great. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting. You know, I talked about not being prepared in, in, in college. Um, I was definitely the opposite in, in the NFL. Um, third game third preseason game we played the uh, Packers and the starting uh, Gary hurt his like broke his hand or hurt his hand in in warmups so you know 10 minutes before the game in the third the third preseason game all the starters play that's you know that's kind of what NFL does all the starters play the third preseason game they play for I want to say it's like a half yeah and uh 10 you know 10 minutes before the game they're like hey you're starting and I'm like oh crap you know <laughs> but I but I was prepared you know, and, and uh, I was able to go out there and perform pretty decent. And, uh, you know, your first, you know, your first real starts against Aaron Rodgers, you know, that's, that could be a little bit intimidating, but, you know, we had a good, we had a good group of guys that, uh, you know, were real supportive and, and, and stood in there with me and, uh, you know, we had some fun. That's cool, man. Is there any like standout moments from playing in the NFL that you really kind of like, I don't know, that just, stick out in your mind as either good or bad or, or something in between? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot. Um, uh, I think it was like my fifth or sixth game. Um, you know, I'd been playing special teams and, and I, I think I led the, you know, I led the team in, in special teams tackles, but uh, our Gary got hurt and, and missed first the Redskins and I was able to start and uh, had, had a good game, had, you know, quite a bit of tackles and some sacks and stuff. And, after that game, they were able to, they were like, Hey, you know, you're doing well. Um, you know, we're going to put you the starter at, at strong side linebacker, which I'd never, ever played before. But, uh, you know, that, and so then the rest of the year I played, I started at strong side linebacker. And then the next year Gary ended up having, having a season ending, uh, shoulder surgery. And so I had, I started the rest the, my whole second year at middle linebacker. And that was a really tough year because that was, that was a year Peyton got hurt. Yeah. And uh I think we lost thirteen games in a row. Dang man. Um which which was that was rough. And uh you know, I guess, you know, for me, stat wise it was good because our our offense wasn't that successful, so I was on the field a lot, so I was able to make a lot of tackles. Um, ended up being fourth in the NFL in tackles that year. Um, mainly because we were on the field every freaking play. Yeah. <laughs> but uh that was really, really hard to lose 13 games in a row. Um, and a lot of them were pretty close. Um, and, uh, that was tough. My, my oldest son was born that year. Um, but that was, that was a struggle. And luckily we had a really good group of men that, um, you know, that, that, that fought together instead of, you know, when you're losing, you can point fingers and say, Oh, it's his fault or it's their fault. It's we, we knew that, uh, people were going to try to, you know, try to, you know, get us to fight with each other. But what we, we stumped, you know, we stuck together and uh, able to get through it, ended up winning two games, thankfully. And yeah. uh, so it wasn't at all lost. And, um, you know, the next year, you know, my first year I was on the all rookie team and, and my second year I was, uh, you know, fourth on the NFL and tackles and I was on the all Joe team. So my next step, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'll play good and hopefully, you know, get all pro and, and get a good contract and, you know, live happily ever after or whatever. But, um, they fired after that two and 14 year, they fired all of our coaches. So new staff came in, um, first play of the first preseason game. My, my, uh, third year, I broke my foot, Jeez. um, had, had to have surgery and was real stubborn about it. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back for the first game, blah blah blah. I'm gonna, they said six weeks. I'm gonna come back and four. Screw them. They don't know what they're talking about. So I, 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 I didn't, I, I pushed it too much, and, and I came back before my foot was healed. So it broke again. So I had to play that whole year with a, with a broken uh, foot. And then my knee started acting up. So I had, after my third year, in a month, I had a foot surgery. Um, I had knee surgery and then I got a staph infection from my foot surgery. So I had to get another surgery to, on my hip to get the staph infection cleared out. So that was really hard. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, my knee never really healed and, uh, I ended up having to go on, on IR 
my uh, my fourth year, and and that just kind of kind of did me in toward the end of the year. And yeah, I was at my last I think my last game I started, I intercepted Peyton Manning, and and then my knee just couldn't it just couldn't hold up, and ended up having to having to retire after a little stint with the Falcons. But uh, it was fun, man. You know, everyone's like, ah, it's too bad. You know, you got hurt, but injuries happen, and that's part of the game. Um, I, I saw a lot of people have a lot worse luck than I had. And I was just thankful that, you know, I had the people around me that, um, um, you know, supported me through the whole process. And um, just India was a really good spot. And I really, really missed playing there. And the people there were awesome. And um, I always have a, you know, like my two sons were born in Indiana. Um, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't ask for a better place to play um, NFL ball in India. India is a good spot. Yeah, man. So from that, you talked earlier a little bit about just like, it's a struggle and it has to be a struggle for everyone who retires from the NFL um, whenever, because you know, you're so focused for like over 10 years on this one sport and now you aren't doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like how did, did you come up with any strategies to help you out of that? Like, I know you started coaching, which probably helped. I have to imagine cause you're still around football. Uh, uh, yeah, what did you say? I'm sorry. I said you started coaching, which probably helped a little bit. Um, but but what else did you end up doing? Did you just go like full on family mode at that point? You know what I wanted to do, and like it's like every freaking meathead's goal is to own a gym. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I came back to Iowa and I you know helped out a little bit with the strength the strength and conditioning, and my my goal was to. Um, you know, to own my own gym and all that stuff. And, um, so I did some, I, I, you know, I pretty much took as much as I could take from, from Doyle, which, you know, um, uh, that guy is amazing. I mean, he's forgotten, he's forgotten more stuff about strength and conditioning than I could ever learn. Um, and so I, I got in with, with, uh, Augustana, um, through Brett's physical therapist. And I did some, some training, um, with their football team, their women's basketball team, their women's volleyball team, uh, men's and women's soccer team. I, I trained them in the summer, and then I um, did some did some training at a, at a facility around here. Um, just kind of, um, you know, a couple kids, some cops, um, some high school kids, some seventh graders and eighth graders, and yeah, that was fun. And I and I like that, um, and that kind of helped me be around, you know, you know, sports and compete and all that stuff again. But you know, one of the issues with that is you're not home, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I had I had also had a hard time charging people money. Um, I, I, I you know here's I'm here, I'm gonna make you do five sets of bench and I I, I felt bad charging people for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and you're not gonna make money not charging people. Um, so I, I stopped doing that and I and I got a, an offer to uh, be a, a mortgage lender at a small little farming bank, Sauk Valley Bank, um, around here. Um which I never in a million years ever thought that I would be doing. Um, but one of the benefits was I can basically come and go as I please. I'll never miss any of my kids' events. And, um, you know, you're selling money. You're not selling uh, vacuums or anything like that. It's something that people are going to need when they buy a house. And, yep. you know, it, it's an easy sell. And I did that for a couple of years, and I just transitioned over to uh, an IH Mississippi Valley Credit Union. That's a, you know, it's a pretty big credit union around here. And, um they got a quite quite a big following and that's been a pretty good transition i trans i was over started over here in february and uh that's been a nice switch um you know a lot, a lot busier than i was before and uh, a lot of good people that i work with and that's been that's been good that's awesome man so i just last kind of last thing here um i talked to george kittle uh on the podcast a few years ago and he mentioned like you coming in and sharing your story about being like switching, like turning the switch on to be completely focused about football. He said that affected him so much that he essentially followed in your footsteps, turned the switch on and then had an, obviously an amazing end of his career, at Iowa, and then now a good start in the NFL. Um, and so I just think like, dude, sharing your story, like the power of story is, is pretty mm -hmm. incredible, you know, cause you don't know who it's actually affecting. Right. Which is super cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, and I think a lot of people don't understand is, you know, it's, 
there's um, such a limited window, um, you know, in college sports. I mean, you got, you know, if you register, you got five years, but that goes by so fast. Yeah. And, and it's almost like you have to be, I mean, you have to, you have to just get it done. You have to go, you have to, you have to be cognizant of the fact that this is going to be over before you know it. And you have such a small opportunity to make a splash in it. And, and hell for five years, if you make something the most important thing in your life for five years, really, if you look at the big span of your whole entire life, that's, that's very small work as hard as you can for that, you know, that little time and, and good things going to happen from it and take that work ethic and take all the stuff that you've learned and use that, um, to benefit you and whatever you decide to do in life. That's awesome, man. I think that's probably a good place to wrap it. So Pat, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really, I really enjoyed hearing your story, dude. Like it's, Man, I appreciate it, Chris. Man, I appreciate you having me, man. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, we'll have to, you know, get back at you again at some point in the future. Absolutely, brother. All right. You got my number. All right. All right, guys, that wraps up the show. Thank you, Pat, so much for chatting with me. Um, I really, really enjoyed the experience, really had a good time uh, hearing your story uh, and learned a lot. So, so yeah, uh, Thanks. Thank you guys for listening. Um, like I said in the intro, if this is your first time, check out our archive. Uh, if you're from Iowa, I love Iowa so much. <laughs> we have so many guests that are from Iowa. So go through. You can check that out. They're all doing various cool things, too, which is which is super interesting. Uh, Iowa football. I have a couple podcasts with some previous players, uh, George Kittle, um, Drake Kulik. So definitely, those are definitely football themed, themed shows. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to, I really want to just impress upon you guys, like the idea of, of, I just, I really liked Pat's story because he didn't necessarily know where it was going. You know what I mean? Like he mentioned, he didn't even really know he wanted to do football when he was in high school. He didn't know, uh, he wanted to pursue the NFL when he was in college, but once he made up his mind and made that commitment and decided this is something he wants to really shoot for and strive for, this is the thing I was really impressed with. He went all in. So think about that this week. If you do have some goal that you want, even if it's a goal that you aren't really 100% sure is achievable, especially if it's a goal you're not 100% sure is achievable, go all in. Because why not? You don't want to leave any regrets behind. So if there's something you want to do, if you're like, man, I really want to go, uh, what's that thing where you jump off a cliff with a, with a uh, hang gliding? I want to go hang gliding, right? And you're like, but that sounds super intimidating <laughs> to go hang gliding. And I have no idea how to even contact anybody to do that. Um, go all in. You can figure it out, right? You can figure it out. You can get the guts to do it. Go do it. And obviously... Side note, if you're going to go hang glide, I don't know why I use that as my example, but <laughs> if that's the thing you're passionate about, please make sure you understand all the safety and stuff like that. Don't be like, I just ran off the cliff with like a garbage bag and uh, it didn't really work and I'm blaming it on you and your podcast, Chris. That's not what I was saying at all, <laughs> but go all in, whatever it is. If you're like, man, I want to learn jujitsu but I'm kind of like embarrassed to go to a class or I don't have any idea. I have no background knowledge on how to do jujitsu. I've never even wrestled. Go all in, figure it out. You guys can do that. We're all like super adaptable as people, as humans, we're super adaptable. We can figure out, we can end up figuring out how to do something that we previously thought was unimaginable. Um, so yeah, so go after it, go all in. Because why not? You only get a certain amount of time on earth. You might as well do it. Um, that's all I'm going to say this week. <laughs> Thanks again, Pat. And uh, wish you the best of luck with everything you do in the future, man. Uh, yeah. If you're an Iowa fan, this weekend's the first weekend of, of football season. So I'm so just incredibly excited. I love – and, like, it's not only just my certain team that I love. I love sports stories in general. You could throw at me, like, if there's some super inspirational bowler or something, and you, like, made a 30 for 30 ESPN documentary about bowling, and it's, it 
fascinating story i'm in like whatever i don't care what the sport is i'm 100 in me and my buddies sat around and we watched like three hours of of the red bull breakdancing competition and we were just so amazed with how like human beings can be that flexible and mobile and stuff so i can be fascinated by pretty much any sport football though for me like it really generates these like really cool interesting stories uh with some of the players coaches things like that and and here's the other thing i guess i want to say because in the news lately there there can be negative stories um i'm thinking about ohio state situation maryland situation things like that um in recent news those stories are there if you seek them out they're there in any sport um but the positive stories are there as well if you seek those out and one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I want to share more positivity. I want to share more positive stories, some stories that are meant to, um, that are meant to kind of push people in the right direction, right, and bring them up and uplift them. So seek those out. Let's seek out some positive stories, right? Because they're all around us all the time. All right, guys, that's it. Join us next week. We'll have another show. Uh, check us out like a Bigfoot on iTunes, all the social media stuff, whatever, uh, SoundCloud. So yeah, we'll get back at you then. See ya.